0: They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors.
1: Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinobaldo.
0: And I'm Joe McGarry.
1: We are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Today we have with us Lyle Greiner. He's the executive director of Peer Ministry, or also called Everyday LLC. Welcome, Lyle. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Good to be here.
0: So Lyle has uh, a great ministry that he does with uh, lots of young people. Something that we all like to do in our congregations and our churches is really to attract young people. So Lyle, can you tell us a little bit about what Peer Ministry is and some of the things that you guys do?
2: Sure, I'd love to. Love to. I'll touch on the roots real quick. Uh, a lot of schools have had peer programs in the past, peer helpers or mediation or I mean, peer counseling in the beginning. It's kind of the roots of that goes back to a school counselor, Palo Alto, California, and uh, Barbara Varenhorst. Just briefly, you know, she tells her story. She says, I kept talking to my students and saying, Who do you go to? You know, when there's something going on in your life or someone else's life. Her observation was they never said, well, you, Barbara, <laughs> and, uh, they almost <laughs> always uh, talked about a friend being one of the first people they confided in or talk to. So her premise was, why am I not just giving my kids skills to care and welcome. Uh, She began, at that time she did call it peer counseling, became a statewide initiative in California in the public schools, and and then took off across the country in various ways. But uh, churches started coming to Barbara fairly early on and saying, hey, would you, uh, you know, would you be willing to to work with us? And so she began working with congregations and various denominations. I was a character in the Twin Cities uh, doing youth ministry and just loving it, but uh, when she was in town, took advantage of the trainings that she was doing, and I'm obviously biased by now, but I fell in love with it, and I fell in love with where it was taking my students. So it it has some long roots and some long history. I have gotten to work with it, uh, first in congregations, uh, but then through, well, Augsburg College, uh, the Youth and Family Institute, and for the last... About seven years now, it's been a standalone organization. Uh, so, what we do uh, mostly is work with uh, usually a cluster of congregations and usually a cross generational group to uh, work with them at at learning how to, you know, how to train and their own youth and how to continue it after that. So, we want it to be a sustainable a sustainable piece. Peer ministry in general, it is it is really giving kids caring skills. How to you know how to help their friends. If I ask uh, if I ask a group of kids to tell me you know uh, how many of you know somebody, and then just start going through the list, how many of you know somebody who's families going through family changes every kid raises their hand if i ask uh, you know about drugs and alcohol who's being affected by that most every kid's going to raise their hand and just you know write down the list of of eating disorders or uh, just friendship issues and and uh, all kinds of things. I often ask how many of you know somebody who's going through life with a little bit more depression than they should. And most kids will raise their hand. And I think what's often shocking to everybody is when you when I ask you know how many of you have had a conversation with somebody that's been thinking about suicide in the la- and even junior high kids you know raising yeah. their hands up and saying yeah I've had the you know those are you know they're alarming but it's not meant to be all that alarming or shocking it's it, it's it's really just a a reality of oh my gosh you guys are having these conversations all the time and you're you're talking with your friends all the time i tell kids when i meet with a group of kids i just say you guys do far more ministry than me uh, as a youth minister or as your pastor so and what i mean by that is that you do far more youth ministry. You are in you are in contact constantly with other youth, and you care about what they're doing, and you're having those conversations. And, and I'll ask kids, you know, how many of you wished you knew better how to help or what to say? And of course, everybody raises their hands. So that it, you know, we're we're honored to have that task of of uh, working with groups, working with congregations to say, let's give kids some skills to care, to welcome. Sometimes I say it's the Good Samaritan story, but. Instead of preaching and teaching it, we put real skills to it and how to live it and work with it.
0: One of the things we, we like to do is to, to tell stories. So is there something that you can share as, as far as an experience you had working with either a church or a group and something that came out of that training that you can share with us?
2: Sure. It's interesting. Congregations do a lot of different things. Uh, let me lead off. There's uh, a story I like to tell. Ohio, Jamie, 10th grade girl. After the weekend, she sent me an email. And she said, uh, she says, I have to share this with you. She said, I went back into my cafeteria on Monday morning. And she said, I'm walking across and I notice which is one of the things we talk about, is just noticing, you know, seeing what's going on around you. I noticed a girl sitting by herself, and she said, it kind of surprised me. I found myself going over and say, hey, I see you're sitting by yourself. Would you want to join us over, you know, here I'm sitting with some friends? She said I was even more surprised when the girl said, okay. They got up and moved over to their group of friends. And she says, I sit with this group, and she said they're all from different churches. But a lot of times, somebody will say a, a you know, a little prayer, meal prayer. So she said, I thought I better explain that. So she was, uh, she was doing that, and then the girl says, Well, do you mind if I say the prayer? Oh, and they're cool. like, Well, sure. And and she said this. She says, God, thanks for Jamie coming to get me because I thought today was my last day.
0: Wow. And
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah. She'd been she'd been literally sitting there thinking about her own suicide, and and uh, uh, the girls were, you know, they they talked, and and uh, one of the things that we teach kids is uh, to look for innkeepers or to know their innkeepers. In the Good Samaritan story, right? The innkeeper only gets a little mention, and I think a kid pointed this out to me one time. But they really do all the work. I mean, they <laughs> right. did the long-term right. healing and care and all that. So, but I think that's good news for us because sometimes we just need to find the innkeepers for kids to know who the innkeepers are so anyway they went down to the school counselor and talked and um i think a year later i was back in ohio and i ran into this jamie was reintroduced and she's i you know says oh you remember that email she's all that she says you know it's kind of like a kid does you know all that and and she goes yeah she says she's pretty much one of my best friends now
0: wow
2: cool wow you know my heart just went oh my gosh how cool but we talk as a, when you learn these skills, you start to uh, you start to look around you and you start to notice. And we get a little mystical about them. Sometimes I call them spirit nudges. There's just things that you know, kind of your heart tugs at and goes, "Huh, maybe I should talk to that person, or maybe you know, uh, maybe I should, you know, just have a conversation um, or check in with them." And so. We encourage kids to constantly just be aware of the people on their teams, the people in, you know, the music groups and school classes and work and kind of wherever they are. Churches in general, I say there's, there's kind of two areas that we want them to in- implement with their kids. Uh, one is various in-house ministries just how can they plug into the programs that are at the congregation they may be youth programs or they may be cross gen programs or just whatever's going on but especially in those relational areas of hearing people's stories and doing that kids at my church they do we call them candle times uh, there's a there's a group of high school kids that are trained in peer ministry uh, after some introduction and some craziness and fun, um, we split into little groups, and it's always—it's kind of like their own little campfires around a candle. But they—they they lead. Uh, we have some adults that are there, but we just sit in and listen. But it, it's amazing uh, the honesty that they share, kind of around faith and life. But in-house ministry, and then i, I just kind of joke. I say, if there's an in-house ministry. That means there has to be an outhouse ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And uh, the outhouse ministry is just, it is that everyday, you know, kind of piece. I I think a lot of churches get frustrated when they try to do programmatic ministry and find out, oh, kids are just too busy. In fact, almost any church I work with starts out with, oh, you don't understand our community. Our kids are so, you know, saturated and busy and pulled away because of. So kind of one of our responses is to say, yeah, but maybe that's where they're supposed to be, you know? Uh, yeah. Maybe they're supposed to be on the teams because, again, maybe they do more ministry than us there. What if, we are, what if we're there just to, you know, to train and help and support and, and cheer them on and recognize uh, them? And I, and so I think it's, it's crucial that we tell kids, you know, you're doing ministry. You know, we might have forgot to tell you that, but you are doing ministry, and we want to help you do it better which I think is just a fabulous way for churches to think
1: anyway. I love that. And the trajectory of that is exactly what we need to be doing, is getting people doing the things they're already doing and taking notice of God around them and people and all those things rather than I go to church for faith stuff. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. And to claim it. uh, Yeah, exactly. And then uh, once you start to see it, you start to see it everywhere. And that's a great shift.
2: Yeah. I think... It, yeah, it's it's so interesting that people don't recognize God in, you know, in some of the things that they're doing as daily ministry, and and so I you know I hope that that's one of the things that we're giving kids, and and of course every time we do a training, somebody says, well, this needs to be for adults too. <laughs> right, like, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we we got a crew of pastors that are starting to work on that for us and and take a look at what that might look like and feel like in the future. I, I'm a huge believer in giving people skills, just very practical skills, how to listen, how to draw out story with questions, how to, uh, you know, who to turn to, you know, who, who the innkeepers are around them. And, and I just find that that's the piece uh, that I discovered in youth ministry world that, that uh, made the biggest changes in the students that I was working with. Um, so, you know, working in that way.
1: You work with churches all across the country, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, could you walk us through like a typical kind of process from sure. somebody reaches out to you to the follow-ups you do and all that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, kind of the normal scenario, and there's all kinds of different unique situations. Yeah, of uh, course. Usually, a congregation gets you know excited about peer ministry. We start a conversation. Normally, they put together a cluster of congregations uh, so that they're sharing costs and sharing the training. So a lot of times, uh, you know, two, three, four, even five congregations will come together. uh, Usually bring a group of kids and a group of adults. Uh, We want adults there that uh, can learn the the training and the skills so that they can make it sustainable. They'll continue it and uh, and work with it. Uh, We found that having kids there gives them a kickstart in, in, you know, uh, getting a ministry going. But also makes it very believable for the adults that come because they start having these amazing conversations. We we walk through the training, and I it's uh, I say there's no laser lights or you know smoke machines uh, um, in it. Uh, no powerpoints. It's just a circle of chairs, and the people really are the curriculum. Uh, so we lead them through uh, just a number of just really fun activities, but almost all of them they're practicing. Uh, one-on-one some skills with with various group members and so they get to know each other very very well and uh, usually over a weekend because that's when people are available and uh, either a friday night and a saturday or a saturday sunday afternoon or sometimes we're at camp settings and and uh, those kinds of uh, situations then we do three follow-up kind of coaching sessions via Skype or, you know, phone just to walk through with key leaders to, well, to reinsure that it doesn't become another manual, you know, dusty manual on the shelf. We want it right. to be something that uh, is very practical. So we found that that's really helpful for them to put their plans together. How are you going to use the students now and review the manual uh, so we know that they've actually read it and gone through it, but also start making plans for their next Training, which sometimes is six months out, or sometimes even a year out, but uh, we want to make sure that uh, uh, that becomes very, very practical. And so that's been that's been highly successful. We like uh, that we're able to follow up in that way. That's kind of the gist of it uh, as far as as far as the training and uh, and the uses of the training that we do. I think overall, uh, I just get excited that kids start recognizing that uh, uh, their kids are valuable and they have purpose and meaning. Kind of my big clip phrase, I don't know if I've said it first, but I think I said it the most is uh, youth are either leading or they're leaving, right? right, right. Uh, they' they're, they're, they're either the church has either said to them, we need you, <laughs> and we need you for some really important stuff. Or, or they've said, uh, you know, or, or kids have moved on to other groups that need them, and those aren't bad groups necessarily. Right. Uh, but they go where people say, we really need you, and uh, you're important to the church. So peer ministry is certainly one of the ways to get after that. I challenge churches to say every kid, whether they're, whether they're active or not, Needs to hear from their church at least twice a year. Those words, "We need you." For some kids, that's we, you know, we need you to—I don't know—teach Sunday school or, or you know, be something a year round. For other kids, it's just going to be all like a one-time deal. You know, we need you to come this particular night and help out with with this. But, but uh, we think you'd be a great asset for us. But I think that message of "We need you" is really, really important for the survival of uh, youth ministry of the church.
0: But how big a, does a program need to be in order to make use of peer ministry? Yeah. Are we talking, you need 15, 20 kids, or can, can a smaller youth group with only five kids do I, something like this?
2: I did last weekend. I was in uh, uh, Clarion, Iowa, <laughs> and uh, not not a you know not a well known spot, but uh, was really interesting. They brought together four congregations: uh, Lutheran, UCC, Presbyterian. I think we had a Methodist or or two that was with us, and and uh, all from the same church, all small. Uh, churches. And and, uh, it's a great question because, yeah, some churches, larger churches, they have youth programs and they can plug them right into those youth programs, almost like they're camp counselors. Others just have a handful of kids and uh, sometimes two or three. But it doesn't change their need to care for others. And I so I love it when you know, just even a handful of kids, pastors might say to one of the kids, gosh, we got, you know, we got a young person in the hospital. Would you come and, and you know, just be the, the friend alongside me and chat? Or the, there are new members and they got, you know, a young person, other young people involved. And I just need you to be the next, this next couple months, just need to be the welcomer. And, or some groups will do mentoring pieces, younger kids, and, uh, and have the peer ministers, you know, develop those kind of relationships, you know, so any, any place, like I say, they can use their stories. Uh, I worked with a group down in Nebraska. They ended up at a, uh, senior living center. And, uh, it was really, it was really cool. Cause they, they they got uh, the kids and the seniors in a uh, in a circle they actually did a couple little exercises to introduce uh, the conversational pieces and then they just they split up and they just talked and talked and talked a pastor in california one time we were doing this and he said oh he said peer ministry he says It's not about ages, is it? (laughs) It's like, no, it's not. It's just, it's really just being on the same level as another person. Even if there's a congregation that just has two or three or four youth, I think, clustering them together with some other congregations to get started, but uh, all kinds of things uh, that they can do then.
0: Jeff and I have talked a lot about different types of youth ministry, and especially with the idea of confirmation And, you know, we both are on the same page as far as confirmation is great and there's information to be learned, but what's more important than that is building those relationships with the kids and have them build relationships with one another and other people in the congregation. And it sounds like that's really what this is about. It's not necessarily implementing some program in your church, but finding ways, new ways that kids can connect with people in the church and build those relationships with one another.
2: Yeah, build them and, and uh, facilitate them, I think, yeah. uh, to help make them happen is really crucial. Yeah, with confirmation, uh, a few years ago, we put together a piece called Everyday Samaritan, which is a, a five-session piece. It's really kind of a beginning uh, piece uh, that uh, some, some groups have implemented right into their uh, confirmation program or, or use it as a retreat, those kind of things. But we find those that middle school age; uh, they are so highly aware of all the issues around them, and and uh, when they're aware of those things, uh, they're re- really their only outlet is to talk about them, which becomes you know kind of the drama we always see in in those ages, and so giving them some skills gives them a way to handle that, uh, you know, and and to uh, to know how to how to talk with their friends and welcome their friends, and, and uh, again, those uh, innkeepers, you know, to, to know when to turn to somebody and, and get some help. So that's been, a, that's been a great, great fun piece that we like doing also. Yeah, and I should mention, I saw we work with, you know, those middle school kids with that piece, the Everyday Samaritan, and the main peer ministry curriculum uh, is, is very adaptable to high school and to campus ministries. So we work with a number of campus ministries each year also in um, those skills.
1: I want to go back to your youth are leading or they are leaving. I could imagine just thinking about that phrase for a little bit, if you could get something like this going in your parish, that this could be really transformational in the sense of so many congregations have ministry two kids or two families, or you know, this is the wing where they go or the room where they go. Right. Uh, away from everybody else, but could you share a little bit about how you've kind of seen that grow and blossom perhaps uh, someplace or something along those lines?
2: Yeah, we're doing a little conference here in the Twin Cities, and, and we're just calling it Youth Are Leading, and really it's a whole collection of churches coming together and just sharing in you know, all the various ways that, uh, that uh, you know, they've empowered kids to, to be needed. And uh, everything from music to Sunday school, it's interesting people talk about Sunday school needing to die out, but I've seen several recently that's totally youth-led. Mm-hmm. And, and they're fabulous, and kids show up. I, watched, I, I was in a congregation uh, last year, and I was standing in the narthex, and a little guy comes walking in the front door uh, of the church, and he looks across the narthex, and he sees this high school boy, and he throws up his arms and goes, Charlie! And goes running across to him. Charlie was his Sunday school teacher. That's awesome. Know?
0: That's awesome. And, and it was like,
2: oh, I want every kid to walk in the church and see a Charlie, you know, um, uh, or Amanda or, or whoever. But I think that, you know, sometimes kids do a much better job of making those relational, um, you know, caring connections, you, you know, you, even going on retreats. One of the churches that I can talk about the conference coming up, just uh, some of those churches, Christus Victor in Apple Valley. I go over there, and I look around. Every, everywhere you look, there's kids involved in, in absolutely everything. I was talking with the pastors the other day, a couple pastors, and they said, yeah, we have 65% of our high school kids involved weekly in something. So that doesn't mean they come to youth group or their youth theater stuff, but but, but we've got right. them connected. And then a good percentage beyond that that connect more than weekly. But they've been real intentional about saying to their kids, we need you, and just constantly looking for ways to plug them in. A church down in La Crescent, Minnesota, uh, one of the things they started doing with their confirmation program was they would do – four or five peer ministry sessions kind of towards the end of kids just being confirmed. And then and then basically they go through the affirmation service confirmation and, and say, and next week we're going to continue working on this. And they maintain about three-fourths of their kids, uh, but they start using them then right away and plugging them into various ministries uh, and pieces of doing that. But it, it's fun to just you know, that intentionality you start seeing of, of, you know, when people just go, oh, we need to include kids. So we need to include them everywhere and for important things. So kids are looking for their voice. I can tell the story. My own church, I was helping out. I was leading a group of confirmation kids. Uh, and you guys, I was at a large Twin Cities church here in town. And, and uh, anyway, my kids are talking one day and they go, yeah, they go, worship is boring. And I'm looking at him going, okay, this is the cool church. We, we, we have a disco ball hanging from the ceiling.
0: <laughs>
2: we have the best music anywhere. You know, people are coming from all over the country to see what this church... But I sat back doing, in worship and worship, and it was very creative and very good, but there was no voices of kids. Uh-huh. They weren't in the prayer petitions. They weren't in the sermon illustrations. Fabulous musicians, but none of them were none of them were kids. About that same time, I was down in Florida and I met Douglas uh, Douglas Dozier, Episcopalian, kind of high church African American church. And I'm talking with Doug. He's a junior in high school. And I said, Doug, what what keeps you excited about your faith? And he says. I'm a head acolyte. <laughs> and, cool. And I, you know, and I thought, what? You know, and, and I, I tried not to laugh, you know, but uh, I'm a head acolyte. And, and, but then he told me about working with younger kids and training them in. And then he described to me what it was like to help serve communion and watch people's eyes. Mm. Mm. And it was just this real holy moment of, of, oh my gosh, just this incredible spirituality coming from this young guy. But it hit me. It's like, okay, it's not about how cool my church is. It's not about, you know, if I have a disco ball hanging from the ceiling or amazing music. I, those are good things, too, to, to work. But it's really about kids seeing themselves. Am I included? Am I, you know, am I, is my story being told? Um, am I asked, you know, to participate and I think, uh, you know, no big studies on this, but man, as I travel around and, you know, get to be in a lot of churches, it is, it is the ones that are involving kids that are keeping their kids and everybody always nods their head, you know, when I'm presenting or doing a talk or something like that. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 you know. And, and uh, But the challenge is to put some wheels on that for people and uh, give them some strategies. We're working, I, kind of a sideline, I'm working on, on a, a list of 24 right now of, you know, kind of ways that I see churches using kids saying we need you. So that's a... That's a preface, probably to a a book in another year or so. We'll put that cool. out and and uh, share that. But uh, we'll talk we'll, we'll talk again when it's ready. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. But I'm excited about I'm excited about just you know our niche in the world. Saying to congregations, let's put some wheels on this idea of of you know kids being needed, of kids caring for kids. Give us real practical
1: skills.
0: One of the things about working with with youth ministry, and and I think a lot of reality that many churches are facing right now, is uh, budgetary constraints. And it sounds like building relationships and and going through and and getting some of these things put in place really doesn't cost a lot, but what are some of the tips and tricks that you can give to different churches that might be listening that kind of want to start this, but maybe don't have the funds or currently don't have the funds to kind of bring a professional in to teach them. I mean, is there, is there some things that they can, they can do to start with and, and implementing some of this stuff?
2: You know, I think just taking seriously that, that phrase, you know, kids are either leaving or they're leaving and going, well, let's take a look at that. Um, I uh, challenged a congregation uh, the other day that I was working with, I say, okay, every time you have a staff meeting or every time you sit down with your committee, you know, bring bring two or three names of youth that you haven't seen for a while. And don't evaluate. Just take a look at the names and go, what are a couple things we could invite them for and who's going to invite? The temptation was, you know, for the group to say, well, they would never come because, you know, dot, dot, dot. And it's like, no, stop. That, that's not the point. The point is that you ask you know, that you include. So I think that's a, that's a good beginning. The training itself, like I say, uh, we find the congregations that want to do it, figure out ways to do it. Usually if you find, you know, three or four congregations in the same neck of the woods, uh, it makes it real affordable. It's been interesting this last year, a lot of groups seem to be getting grants again. So, uh, that was, that was good news. Yeah, yeah. there's, There's some money out there and, and, uh, uh, so that was that's a you know a great way. But we'll work with we'll work with groups. I got I got groups that I'm working two years out with. You know to say well let's let's just have conversation and let's start planning and, and uh, if we can help you find you know grants or help you strategize we'll do that too uh, and go from there. Website peerministry.org, uh, A number of resources on there. Almost you know certainly our curriculums. But all kinds of ways for kids to have conversations around faith and life, everything from small group to mentoring to to just one-on-one conversation. So we keep putting a number of tools out uh, uh, in the midst of prayer. Uh, you know, how do you you know relationship and prayer, uh, candle time. We have a piece called Candle Time, which is probably our most popular, you know, piece that churches use. And I always tell people, everything is PDF. If anybody ever wants to see anything on there, you just send me a note. I'll send it to you. And you can, you know, kind of see what it is and see if it's a fit. So so resources is, is you know, another piece of just how do we equip the conversations? How do we facilitate, you know, those faith and life conversations?
1: Some advice for those uh, congregations who say they would like youth involved, but they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they have the you know who who moved my cheese kind of phenomenon whenever. Yeah, no, kids there, are there really aren't
2: any of those out there. I'm sure. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Almost any church will say, "Oh, yeah, youth is one of our you know top priorities." <laughs> right. One of the things I tell groups is begin by assuming kids into to ministry. You mentioned confirmation. Our approach so often has been kind of that head knowledge, you know, piece. It's like, you know, if I can give them enough information, maybe their faith will continue and develop. But it's kind of assuming that they're students. And and again, I want them to have knowledge, obviously, and that's not bad stuff. But but I think I think we have to assume them into ministry, and by that, I just mean assume that they're already. Deeply concerned about friends, deeply concerned about the world, and uh, uh, that, again, I think just as important, if not more important, is giving kids some ways to do things. Uh, we've done that most with service learning or, or, you know, kind of mission, you know, kind of projects, and I'm all for it. Um, I like participating in those with our church. But I think alongside of that is that, I guess it's the relational ministry you know, and, and sometimes I say peer ministry is, it really is the mission trip that you don't have to sign up for. It's just happening all around you every day. And uh, um, even if you haven't done officially peer ministry, I think to begin with Confirmation Kids and with others, with that attitude, you guys are important to this church because you're making a difference in people around you. That includes the, you know, what, the so-called popular kid that has lots and lots of friends and lots and lots of conversation. And it includes it includes that young person that maybe just has a couple good friends and uh, still is their, you know, is their person. So so we begin there. You know, let's assume youth in. Kids are always busy. You know, I talk, talked about that earlier. They're busy, busy, and every church says that. We want to do a good youth ministry, but our kids are so busy. I think the good news about that is when kids are so busy, it also equals you know a, a sense of emptiness. and that's what we get to you know we get to plug in and, and feel or, or fulfill. Uh, kids are looking for meaning and purpose and they're looking for something bigger than a, than a bigger and better they ride. They're, they're looking for real ministry. They might not even know it or call it that, but I think it's it's our way of helping us do that.
0: I like that kids when they're busy that equals emptiness, and I never thought of it that way before. Yeah, you know that's that's a really interesting idea. Um, and and going back to something you said earlier, that kids are are looking for their voice, and I think that's part of the busyness too. And if in some way that we we as as a church can help them find that voice to feel fulfilled, you know they're going to go where they feel needed, where they feel valued, accepted, and loved. And and yeah, I, I really think that that's, that's a really great insight to fill that void that's inside of them instead of going to eight activities, you know, maybe the, the one that, that they feel valued at, the one that they feel that they can get something out of personally, um, that's where they're going to be drawn to.
1: Yeah. Probably true of a lot of adults as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Uh, you know, working in churches, I, get, I think it gives us, you know, kind of an understanding, too, of our importance in their lives. And uh, uh we're not going to change their busyness, probably. <laughs> we might, but uh, they're going to still be busy and running around. But, but, oh, my gosh, do they need a place to come out of the traffic? You yeah. Know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, again, my my bias is when that is coupled with, you know, giving them, some skills and some tools for being in the midst of the busyness, uh, you know, that, that, takes on a, that takes on real meaning on what they're doing. Sometimes people talk about youth ministry or youth, youth group, and I always tell people, I, th- I think there's a big difference between youth group and youth ministry. And maybe it's just me playing with words, but uh, uh, one of the activities I like doing with kids is I'll I'll have them stand. If we got enough, we'll stand in a couple circles or or even three, you know, about 10 kids in each. I'll say, we play it like it's a game. Uh, We say, okay, pick a, you know, pick somebody from your, pick the most rambunctious kid in your group, send them out to me, you know. And so we got two or three kids standing out there. And I'll just say, okay, in a minute, it's going to be your job to... Uh, get into the middle of that circle, and I don't say anything more than that. Uh, the circles almost instantly start—you know—crossing arms and crossing legs. I might do a play-by-play and start to an, oh, know. Look at this group; they're doing that. You know, they're doing this. They're doing this. But you know, ready, set, go! <laughs> kids try to break in. They may or may not get in. But it's interesting. After you know, after a few minutes, we stop. Everybody sit down, and we interview the kids. You know, what was your strategy to get in? You know, what was the frustration? What was the you know, the group. Hey, was it fun to keep them out? Yeah, but then eventually I get around to saying, "Did I ever tell you to keep them out?"
0: <laughs> of course, <laughs> they all think I did,
2: but I never did. <laughs> yeah. I never did. Yeah. And uh, of course, I set them up, and you know, and and they know that, and we laugh about it a little bit. But I think, you know, I think there's all kinds of realities to that. Um, it, it's it's interesting how quickly groups become groups. Youth ministry, I think, faces outwards. In fact, I'll have the group stand if i got a couple groups, one facing outwards and one facing inward. Uh, And just to say, you know, inward facing groups, that's, you know, and maybe it's just Lyle language, but I think that's youth group. Because it comes about, it becomes about itself. It, it's inward focused. It's looking at itself. And uh, but youth ministry is outward focused, and and it looks outward and and looks about, you know, cares about the people around them. You asked about what churches uh, could do. One of the activities I give people. Uh, a lot of times small groups or confirmation groups, a lot of times they'll do highs and lows, a part of the exam and you know, kind of thinking and and good stuff. But I want them to also talk about what I call spirit nudges or or heart tugs. And just to talk about what you see or hear or sense this week that concerned you. Mm. And just to let them talk. And it doesn't mean that they jumped in and solved anything. Maybe, maybe they got to interact, but sometimes it's just those interactions that you saw in class or somebody, you know, I don't know, bullying somebody or, or, you know, somebody that's just, yeah, being ignored or sitting alone in the cafeteria, you know, just, and what I like about that is it starts that outward focus. It starts that ministry focus of let's talk about people around you. What concerned you this week? What did you hear or see or sense? Which I think is part of that, <laughs> it's part of that outhouse ministry, right? Um, you know, how do we start caring for people around us?
1: I love that. Usually, when we do that kind of thing, we say, "Well, name the God moment." You know, talk about the good things. And right. uh, but we're we're cross centered people, so we got to start there. I think that's a really good value to uh, lift up and teach and model. That's really great. Yeah, I
2: think if we if we just start doing that alone, you know, in 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 uh, yeah. conversations, I think it, it, it's an amazing twist. I then kids get to talk a little bit you know or, or if they're facilitated just say well what do you what do you wish you could have said or what do you wish for that person yeah and people start thinking about you know oh you know I, well, I wish somebody would talk with that person well have you ever thought about talking with that person what would you <laughs> right, say right how, how would you start you know you know those kind of pieces so yeah yeah what else is cooking you guys
0: it sounds like you are teaching people a lot of great things on on how to work with kids and kids and how to work with each other. And how do you get fueled up as far as your spirituality? You you talk a lot about, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, Are there other particular Bible scripture lessons that you are connected with? Or uh, what are some of your spiritual practices that you like to do?
1: Yeah.
2: Within the training, uh, there's spiritual story, there's biblical story in all of them, and just real creative ways of getting around those. Myself, my wife and I are both spiritual directors, so I, I've grown to like quiet <laughs> <laughs> a, lot more, a lot more than I used to. Uh, but uh, but uh, So I, I like that, I, I, and I enjoy leading kids in, in you know, just kind of spiritual practice. Uh, exercises and the ELCA we last couple of uh, youth gatherings uh, got to do the all the prayer prayer stations and labyrinth pieces and, and to lead those with kids and just amazing to just sit and watch kids interact with all kinds of things one little memory clip uh, we put together a big Jenga set but on one side of the block it had just it has a talk start And on the other side, it really is a prayer prompt, kind of a Dear God. Just because it's a Jenga set, there was always kids around it. But I watched these two young kids. I don't know if they were brother and sister. I was kind of assuming they were. But I watched them go over and sit by that Jenga set. And I watched one pull a block, and they talked with each other. And then (laughs) I thought this was very unusual. They folded their hands, and they prayed. And they prayed and they prayed. And I just, I was just amazed by watching these two, this boy and this girl, you know, just do, they put the block up on top, pulled another one and they they sat there for 45 minutes and just went through, you know, all kinds of blocks. But I, and I don't know why I say that, but I, I I think I am energized over and over again about just watching, you know, watching youth, watching others, uh, kind of connect with their spirituality, those aha moments. Um, yeah. Somebody asked me the other day if I'd gotten tired of teaching peer ministry, and uh, because it's kind of a lot of the same stuff over and over again, and I, and I say no, I, I you know I had to think about that. It's like I haven't because it's it, it's not about the activities; it's always about the people and mm-hmm. uh, and their stories, and and they're absolutely amazing, um, you know, and just some just some really good stories and some sometimes some really hard stories that uh, you know that kids share. Uh, in, in a in a junior high group up in Duluth the other day, uh, you know, a little boy talked about being you know homeless for a while, and uh, you know, and sat down and was having a conversation with a high school girl and, and uh, another town, and and she just starts off right away and says, "Yeah, my mom's a drug addict," and uh, you know, beautiful little girl involved in all kinds of things in her church, but uh, just very frank and open about that. Um there's something there's something honoring about being trusted with people's stories. Um and to be able to proclaim, you know, some grace and peace and hope in the midst of that. Um that's what energizes me. Nice. <laughs> like, nice.
0: It sounds like uh, you know, the work that you are doing energizes you and, and continues to feed you and feed your spirit. And and that's I mean, we all dream to have Jobs like that that really just kind of keep us going, and and no matter how often we we do the same thing over and over again, you just hear those stories and you hear the the impact that you're having on people's lives, and and it's just it's it's amazing to hear. So thank you for sharing.
2: Yeah, thank you, and and yes, I'd echo that. I'm I feel constantly fortunate to be able to do this. Uh, do this work. And so now, uh, like I said, we have some associates that are out there, you know, several times a year uh, doing some training. And, but that's our hope over the next, you know, four or five years is to have associates scattered across the country. I come out of the Lutheran church, so I, we work with a lot of Lutherans, but we're working. We're working with Presbyterians and Methodists, and sometimes some Catholics, and, <laughs> and so. But we're we're open to yeah, we're open to working with you know kind of those multi, you know denominational groups and stuff, and and uh, um, and, and actually it's it's quite fun to find out that that Good Samaritan story is not as divisive <laughs> as other things that we divide ourselves with. You know? Yeah, people want people want to care about their neighbors.
1: Lyle, if people want to get a hold of you or your associates, uh, what's the best way for them to go ahead and do that?
2: Yeah, I would start the website, peerministry.org. Any of the uh, links there will, you know, send me a note and get back to me. Um, so, and, and and like I say, we'd love to, you know, I love to just have, you know, Skype coffee, <laughs> you know, with people and, and uh, you know, I love to talk about the possibilities and, and explore what their ministry looks like and you know see where this might fit you know and like i said from there oftentimes we start to try to help them cluster together and put some you know put a groups together so that they can work with them contact me there you know peerministry.org
0: well thank you again for joining us and i know i have taken a lot of notes here and i'm sure many others will as far as uh, how to implement some of this in in uh, our own churches and And if any of you who are listening today would like to contact Jeff or I, you can always find us on our website, twobaldpastors.com or on Facebook, uh, facebook facebook.com backslash twobaldpastors. And we are the two bald pastors helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry.
1: And I'm Jeff Cinebaldo.
0: Thank you for joining us today and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.
1: You know, I took about three pages of
0: notes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but
2: you
1: write bigger. I I learned a lot. And Lyle, this is great stuff. This is is fantastic. I appreciate what you do very much.